You are listening to the New Vision Church Podcast, a community to belong, be loved, and believe. We're going to talk much today about what does it um, really look like for us to accomplish the mission. And you know, God, uh, sometimes He calls us to things that are really hard, right? I mean, when you think about your life, a lot of people think if I enter into a relationship with God, then everything's going to be like, you know, roses. People think, oh, you know, and, and sometimes you're going to have those great days, but God does not promise us that every day is going to be a walk in, you know, the garden. Sometimes we're going to be on the mountaintop. Sometimes we're going to be in the valley. Sometimes God's going to call us to do things that are hard things to do. And, and those hard things might be like going somewhere. Sometimes that going somewhere could be from the living room to the bedroom to talk to somebody and say you're sorry. Sometimes the hard thing might be to do is to go across the street, right, and introduce yourself to a neighbor. But God might also call some of us to a hard thing like leaving and saying goodbye to family for a while, maybe even for the rest of your life. I've got a friend of mine. He's in Beirut, Lebanon now, and he's, he's planning not coming back. He's going to be there as a missionary. And, and so, you know, God has a different calling for each one of us. God has a different purpose for each one of us. And the, the goal for God's mission, right, is to use His church. God has a mission for His church. We have been left here for a reason. And that mission is ultimately to make disciples wherever we go, knowing that we've been sent on purpose. Have you ever had somebody had, uh, had this happen in your life where you've come across somebody and they're like, wow, you said just exactly what I needed to hear? Or, or thank you for that phone call, or thank you for that message, thank you for that text, thank you for that letter, because it came right at the exact time. Now, you had no idea that God was sending you at that time, but you were sent. You, you had no idea how God was going to use even that word of encouragement, and yet God did. And so we have to understand that sometimes we underestimate, right, the power of our influence and how God's trying to use us in the world. That, that God might be trying to use you in a friend's life, or God might be trying to use you in a family member's life, or God might be trying to use you in a foreigner's life that you would have never, ever thought about meeting. Yet God can do that. And so we must remember that this is His church and His mission. And we are His missionaries. We are His sent ones. We are His people who are called according to His purpose. And so God's plan has always been to use His people to accomplish His mission. That's God's plan. God's not going to use somebody who doesn't belong to Him. God's not going to use somebody who doesn't know Him to bring other people to Him. He's going to use you. He's going to use His followers, His children, to bring people to know Him. And this is our job, it's our task, to introduce people to Jesus. And uh, one of the things that we need to be aware of as we wrap up our missions month, and we haven't talked a whole lot about foreign missions, but today we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I, I need for you to understand a few things, right? That, that there are still many, many people who do not know Jesus. Billions of people who do not know Jesus. And if you look at this graphic here, if you can see it, you can see that there are a total of 17,435 people groups in the world. 
Okay, so a people group is somebody who has their own unique language or dialect. They have, you know, maybe a unique way of dress. Today, the dress that I'm wearing uh, is from uh, Vietnam. It's among the black Hmong people. And uh, we were smuggling Bibles into Vietnam one year. And, and I saw people wearing those cool clothes. And I was like, man, I got to get me some of those. So these are not my pajamas, okay? This is actually what real people wear, all right, in Vietnam. And, uh, and so there's distinct people groups, okay? There's 17,435 of them. Now, 7,425 of them are unreached. And what that means is they don't have, they, they have less than 2% of a Christian presence, Many of them have no Christian presence. Many of them are, are considered either non-religious, and they are in this window called the 1040 window. And you can see this is the latitude-longitude, where it's get, that's how it gets that name, 1040 window. And you can see that it covers most of northern Africa, over into the Middle East, and almost all of China, right? Everything is in that window, and in this block, most of these people have little to no knowledge of Jesus, little to no Bible influence, little to no access to anything that we would consider Christianity. Many of them are of these faiths, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and many of them would be considered non-religious, so they don't have any kind of maybe religious practice. And it's important for us to see this and understand that the mission is far from over. I mean, there's still a lot of work to do. And Jesus has not returned because there are still many people who have not heard the gospel. That, that he is waiting on us to share it. He's waiting on us to help facilitate that. He's waiting on us to make sure that as many people as don't know can know. Right? The Bible says this, that the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some people count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So this is God's desire, is that every one of these people in the 1040 window would be able to hear the gospel in their own language. Now today, we've done a lot with different languages. And some of you, you're hearing these languages, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, it's gibberish to me. Well, it might be gibberish to you, but there's somebody who gets it. It, they hear it with their own ears. It's their heart language, right? And so when you go to another country and you're sitting there, right, and like, like many of us, when we go to foreign countries and we go to these worship services, if we don't have an interpreter, we're just, it's gibberish. I don't understand unless they can translate it for me. And this is the whole thing about Jesus and God, is that when we're talking to people who don't know Jesus, it's gibberish to them. They need an interpreter, they need somebody to put it in their language. They need somebody who can help communicate and explain things to them. And this is the role of a missionary. Ultimately, it's the role of the Holy Spirit. Nobody comes to the Father except the Spirit draws them. But as Holy Spirit draws them, right, he uses us as interpreters, helping people understand what the Bible means. What does the Bible say? You can see this picture here. Uh, and I'm going to give you at the end, I'm going to give you some links and some um, uh, apps that you can go to to help get some of this information. But, but this is put out, uh, I found this on Joshua, um, uh, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but uh, this, it's 
a picture that kind of shows uh, this 1040 window and it gives you all the different countries and it tells you some of the things that you can pray for about these, these countries. And uh, in just a few moments, we're going to actually give you some prayer cards from the missionaries that we are supporting from our church. And uh, it gives you some details about some things that you can pray about because many of you may not know the missionaries we're supporting. You don't know these people. Um, and it's really important for you to have a clear understanding that they're doing a lot of the work, but we're in partnership together. And so as we support them, even if you can't get there yourself, your prayers matter. Listen, your prayers make a big difference. You don't think prayer matters? Just ask somebody in here who's been praying. I can tell you, Melissa's got a few stories about prayer. She can tell you a few things. Miss Rose has got some things she can tell you about prayer. Some others of you have seen God do some miracles around you and even in you and through you, and you got some stories about prayer. So don't underestimate the prayer works. So let us not forget to pray for people who are in other countries. So could God use some other means? Yeah, he could. But, but God chooses to use you. God doesn't have to use us. But God has chosen to use us. God wants to use you. But we have to be willing to let God use us. We have to be open to whatever God wants to do. And so, you know, as a, we were singing that last song and finishing up and and I'm thinking, you know, we, we're all singing that, here I am, Lord, send me. Mm. Do we really mean that? Those are probably two of the hardest words you might ever say to God. Send me. Send me. Because we got reservations. We got these things, you know, you remember when Jesus called these, these uh, certain disciples, right? And one of them was like, well, you know, I, I, got these, I just bought these ox and I got to try them out. Right? So, so let me try out my new ox. You, you haven't tried those ox out yet? Why'd you buy them? It's like you go and say you're going to buy a new car and you didn't test drive it. Right? It's like us saying, Jesus, I'll do this, but let me do this first. And then there was some, another one he called and, and he said, oh, let me go and bury my, my father first. Right? He was, but basically what I was saying is, let me take care of my family business. Let me take care. Let's make sure that everybody here that I know dies first and then I'll go. And so we have these stipulations, right, on God and saying, well, God, send me, but not now. Use me, but later. Send somebody else, God. And the question is, are you really willing for God to use you? There are some specific ways that God can accomplish his mission through each one of us. And it doesn't always require going, but we're going to get to that in a minute. So I want to give you four things really quickly. And the first one is this, is prayer. That you can pray. Everybody can pray no matter where you are. Prayer is something that you can do and anybody else wouldn't even know you're doing it. Think about that. Sometimes I love, you know, it's like, it's really cool. You can sit beside somebody and bombard them with prayer. They don't even know it. Right? You can be bombarding them with prayer and you can just be praying over them, praying that God's going to work in their life, right? And then something happens and they're like, whoa, what's going on? And it's like, yeah, that's right. That's God, right? And so, you know, the thing about it is this, you don't have to make a big deal out of your prayers. In fact, God says this, if you're praying, don't, you don't have to go out on the street corners, right? Letting everybody know you're praying. Now, I'm not saying anything negative about the people down here in Peace City, right? I know they got signs up and they're asking people to pray. I think that's a good thing, all right? And, and, but, but what he's saying about by not making a big deal about your prayers is you're not trying to be religious. You're not trying to be a show-off, right? And, and so the goal for us in praying for people is to understand that that's access to God that maybe they don't have that we can do for them in, on behalf of them. Look at this, 
Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, okay, who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers. He's talking to the Christians, the true Christians, the ones who are trying to be like Jesus. He says this to you. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Uh, we all know something about short laborers, don't we? Just go to the restaurant up here. You ain't going to get as much help as you used to get. You're going to be waiting in line a little bit longer because the laborers are few. <laughs> and you know what? It's even truer in the church. The laborers are few. Jesus was telling the truth. He was saying, look, there's so many people out there who don't know me, and yet I don't have the workers that I need. I can't get enough help. He's saying, I can't get enough help. Isn't that amazing? When we think about all these mega churches, you think about all these other people who say they're Christians, and God can't seem to get enough help. It's like God's putting up a help wanted sign in every church. Help wanted. Need some help. And we're all just saying, well, I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. I, I, I know you need help, God, but, you know, you've you got, you got plenty you can choose from. You don't need me. And God's saying this, the harvest is ready. There are people out there who are literally dying who need this message. So what are you going to do about it? See, what is the remedy that the Lord lays out? It's prayer is that you can be part of the solution by praying. So what do we pray about? Well, look at this. He says in verse number 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. We are to pray for compassion to see people as God sees people. That, listen, there's some things that should move your heart. This past weekend, we did our 30-hour famine, and we were going through a, a, a series called The Hole in Our Gospel. And uh, we were talking about poverty. We're talking about uh, food waste. We're talking about the struggles that people have around the world with clean sanitation and water. And, uh, and listen, that was, it's a powerful study that we just went through. And, um, and, and for lack of time, we're not really going to share about it much today, but... Um, but, but let me tell you, we're probably going to offer that again, and I want to admonish all of you to be part of that study because we don't understand how dire the need is around the world. And so we should be praying for compassion for ourselves that we would have compassion for those who have nothing. That, that we, when we see these things on these people on TV who are orphans and widows who are struggling with, with different and various diseases around the world, these things should bother us. Now, I'm not saying that you should feel guilty for living in America. God's sovereign, and He's allowed us to be here. But one thing's for sure God has not blessed us so that we might just consume our blessings for ourselves. That God wants to use the blessings that we have to be a blessing to others. And so we should always be looking at people and saying, God, how do you see them? Let me treat them the way that you treat them, God. In fact, God, let me treat them the way that you've treated me. Because I don't deserve anything. So what's your view of people these days? 
Do you see people as eternal souls who are going to perish apart from Christ? When you, when you see people, do you see them as people who are made in the image of God and, and they really do need a relationship with Him? Do you see even yourself in their situation apart from God? Because, listen, any one of us could be in a different situation apart from God. If you just think for a moment that, that had God not intervened in your life, where would you be? Oh, man, I'm telling you, I'd be in a bad place. I probably wouldn't even be anywhere around. And you know, the fact of the matter is this. We all probably have a story similar to that. That if God had not intervened in our lives. So look at people that way and realize. But by the grace of God, there goes, there goes me. And so, I want you to consider how important prayer is. Pray for yourself that you would have compassion and pray for others because they're scattered looking for some direction in life and they can't seem to find it. It says in Matthew chapter 10, verse number 1 and verse 5a, that when he called his 12 disciples to him, so Jesus calls the disciples to him and it says that he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast, out, cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. And then the 12 Jesus sent out. And so, let me remind you, back to a few weeks ago, I gave you that one penny and said, remember, you're one that's sent. You might feel like you're unvaluable like a penny, but you've been sent. You might feel like, you know what, how could God ever use me? I'm so, so invaluable, it seems, and yet you've been one that's sent. God has called you together, not just for us to huddle, but actually to give us the play and to send us out. And the play is this, go wherever you are, and wherever you are, share the good news with those around you. You say, well, okay, you know, I can, I can pray, I can pray. But, but let, me, let me tell you this truth right here. Don't pray that God would send someone if you're not willing to be someone. Oh, it's easy to pray, oh God, yes, yeah, send somebody else, don't send me. Right? But that's not, that's not the case. God doesn't call us together for us to just kind of pick and choose what, what we want to do for God. You see, if God is the Lord of our lives, if He is the one that we submitted to, then He has every right to tell you how to live your life. This is why some people don't want to become Christians at all. They don't want somebody telling them how to live their lives. And, and even some Christians, right, they, they, they say they're moving into a relationship with God, but then they say, God, you've got access to this room, this room, this room, but that room right there, you know, nope, don't you enter that room. Nope. God, you can't have access to my remote control. God, you can't have access to my mouse. Right? And so what happens is this, is that certain people think, oh, well, coming to God just means God's going to do for me. No, actually coming to God means that you already understand what He's done for you. He's already died. He's given everything. And so when we come to Christ, it's not about getting something from God. It's actually about us giving something to God and saying, God, I'm going to serve your purposes. So don't be surprised if God wants to use you as the answer to somebody's prayer. That when you're praying, and you're praying for other countries, you're praying for other people, you're praying for your family members, even praying for yourself, don't, don't be surprised if God's saying, you know what, I've already given you the answer. Go. <laughs> I've already given you the answer. Admit. I've already given you the answer. Confess. I've already given you the answer. Serve. I've already given you the answer. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. I've already given you the answer. Sadly, many Christians never go 
and many don't pray for those in other countries, nor for those who have been sent. Let's be honest. We don't do a very good job of praying for missionaries. We don't do a very good job of praying for those who are lost. We don't do a very good job of praying for those who are overseas, people that we never see, people that we're never going to meet. Let's be honest. I'll be honest. I don't do that. Who else is going to be honest and say, I don't pray like I should pray for the people in other countries? Right? Okay. Thank you for your honesty. Because, see, the fact of the matter is this. Why don't we pray? We don't pray, maybe because we don't think about it, maybe because we don't have a personal relationship with them, maybe because we, we just are selfish, we're absorbed in our own lives. And so the goal of today is to help, and this whole month is to help you be aware, but, but let me tell you this, now that you're aware, you're accountable. Sorry. But, but we're not going to be able to stand before God and say, well, God, nobody ever told me that I should be praying for people around the world. You heard it here today. That, that we can't stand before God and say, God, I didn't know that, that there were people who didn't know you in the 1040 window and, 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 and I, I could have done something and I didn't. So are we praying for the missionaries? Are we praying for the lost? Is, is this something that matters to us? And I've been convicted over this over, you know, the last few weeks of just thinking, man, you know, I cannot neglect this. I can't neglect this. So we should never underestimate the power of prayer. It does move mountains. So, what can you pray for? Pray for open doors. And I'm going to kind of go fast here because of time. But, but we need to pray for open doors, right? In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that, the God, that God may open a door for our message. So, this is biblical, right? When we're praying for open doors, we're praying that, that God will open the doors for those who are serving in other places. And, and listen, some of you may even want to go on a mission trip. And so you know what you need to pray? Pray that God opens the door for you to go. That God makes it possible for your schedule, right? That God makes it pop possible for your finances. That, that look, if you really want to go, I'm telling you this, God wants you to go. God wants to get you there. And so pray for an open door. You can pray for open doors for partners and friendships. People will be led by the Holy Spirit. You can pray that... God will lead other people past these barriers that they feel like they have in their lives. You can also pray for boldness, right? Pray for boldness for yourself. Pray for boldness for those who are speaking and those who are missionaries that, that literally have to take a step of faith and they don't know where the money's going to come from. They don't know how they're going to get what they need. Some of them may even need medicine or, or other kind of things happening that we don't, we don't take, we, we don't worry about it here in America. But over there, listen, you don't have access to everything. So pray that they have boldness to continue to do the ministry in spite of difficult circumstances, in spite of hardship. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, pray for me also. This is Paul speaking, and whenever I speak words, uh, whenever, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. It's, isn't it interesting that Paul's saying this, pray that I'm not afraid? If you would think anybody was not afraid, it would be Paul, right? But Paul's like, man, you know, I, I struggle with this too, right? That, that I can speak what I need to speak without fear. Pray that the gospel will be spread. That's another thing you can pray for. Pray that, that God's word will penetrate, that God's word will get through. There are all kinds of ways that we can do ministry today. And uh, one of the cool ways that, that I discovered years ago, uh, and I should have brought it in here, but but, you know, places like uh, North Korea, uh, China, these places are closed 
uh, to the gospel. And a friend of mine brought back a balloon. And this balloon had the gospel all over it. It was a Mylar balloon. And what they would do to infiltrate a place like North Korea is they fill up these balloons with helium. <laughs> it's kind of like China was doing for us, right? Uh, so they're not sending the gospel, though, right? We would send the they would send the gospel on these balloons, and, and it floats over to North Korea. And when it deflates, they've got the gospel in their language. You see, there's all kinds of creative ways to get the gospel, but we, we need your minds, we need your intuition, we need your creativity, right? God wants to use these things to help get the gospel to people who do not have it. So pray that the gospel would spread. 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Think about that. That, that over in these other countries, they're saying, would you pray for us? And when, when we hear from these missionaries, we say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. And then we don't. And so here's the plea. Again, would you pray for us? We ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message, and, and this is what's amazing, right? Our prayers are so superficial. My goodness. You know, when, when you talk to missionaries from these other places, they're not, they're not asking for even things for themselves. Look at what even Paul says here. Pray that the message will spread rapidly. Right, we, we tend to pray for a lot of surface stuff. And Paul says we should be praying that the message will spread rapidly. So pray for strength and stamina for the missionaries as they encounter antagonistic spiritual forces. Pray for them as they encounter not just spiritual forces, but they're going to encounter physical forces. People are coming in trying to shut down church services. People are coming in and, and actually... Carrying people off, carrying pastors off. Whenever we were smuggling these Bibles into Vietnam, we had to go through some training of what we were to do if we were to get captured. Now, I was kind of like, eh, kind of wouldn't mind getting captured. It'd be kind of a cool story, right? And they were like, yeah, you don't have to worry if you get captured because they're really not after you. They're after the local pastor. And so when we went through this training, they said, if you get captured smuggling these Bibles in, you need to don't give any information. They said, you're American, you'll probably be released in, in 24 to 48 hours. They said, but they're really after the guy that you're bringing these Bibles to. And so you don't give them any information because they will take them and they will put them in prison or maybe worse. It's, it's real, it's serious. And so these people who are laying their lives on the line for the gospel, we should be praying for them. We need to pray for the protection of missionaries. We need to pray for them. Because they are facing things that we have not yet had to face here in America. But I do believe it's coming. And I do believe we should start preparing ourselves. So you should pray for yourself to be bold. You should pray for yourself to have compassion. You should pray for yourself that you would spread the gospel regardless of what situation you're in. 2 Thessalonians 3, 2. Pray, too, that we may be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. This is what the church is saying. We need prayers that, God, you deliver us from the wicked and evil people who are trying to shut us down. So pray that God would keep the missionaries safe. Pray that God would... Change hearts of those who are resistant to his word. And so, what do you pray for? Pray for provision, travel, family, refreshment, peace, wisdom. Everything that you would pray for yourself and your family, pray for them. 
Everything that matters to you, I'm telling you, it matters to them. So pray for those things. Number two, send. Number two, send. Remember that God will send someone. And so don't pray that God would send someone if you're not willing to be that someone. And so God is ascending God. When you look back at Matthew chapter 10, it says, And when he called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over every unclean spirit to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and disease. And these twelve Jesus sent out. He wasn't, Jesus wasn't trying to keep everybody together. Jesus was trying to send people out. There are a lot of churches that are trying to keep everybody together. Everybody, oh, we, we want to get as many people in here as we can. What's the point of getting everybody together if there's so many more people out there who aren't together. Literally billions of people who are never going to come to a church. They're never, going to, they're never going to cross paths with you. So what do we have to do? We need to go to them. It's important for us. But when Jesus sends us, he's going to empower us to do what he wants us to do. Man, I'm telling you this. There are times I go to places and I'm just like, man, I don't, I don't know. Why am I here, God? Why am I here? And you just have to wait. And sometimes... Sometimes it feels like, well, I came on this mission, but God, you got a different mission. Well, you know what? Get on his mission. Don't worry about your agenda. Don't worry about what you're trying to accomplish. Understand this, that God may be building something, and building something takes time. Building something takes time. Where we are with Jorge and, and El Salvador didn't happen overnight. It's been many years in building, and yet we have a great, thriving ministry there, but it's, it's taken time. And so God was doing things that I wasn't even aware of. I just went because an invitation rose. Some, uh, a friend of mine in Miami said, hey, uh, I'd like to bring you down to El Salvador. You want to go? I said, yeah, sure. Why not? I ended up in Africa because another guy said, hey, I'm going to dig wells. You want to go? I was like, sure, yeah, why not? I've been there 13 times. And so what I'm saying to you is this, is that sometimes God has a different mission for our lives than the mission that we think. We, we can spend our whole lives training and going to school and doing all this kind of stuff, saying, you know, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And let me tell you this, God's going to say, no, that's not what you're going to do with your life. You're going to do something else. And we can fight and resist God, or we can submit to God and let God send us wherever he wants us. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 says this, but you... And, and, and here's the thing we need to understand about this. Sometimes, you know, when we read, read English, we're not quite sure if it's singular or plural. All right? And so Jesus is talking to all of his disciples here. So this is a plural you. And so when, when we read you, we're talking about all of you. This applies to all of you. It's not an individual just you. This means all of us. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He wasn't just talking about Peter. He said all of them. And today I'm not just talking about one of you. I'm talking about all of you. This is his plan, his mission for you, is that God would use all of you to be his witnesses. And that you would start here, but then you would progressively maybe let your influence move out. That, that God would use some of you in ways that you can't even imagine. And so if Jesus is saying this to his disciples then, listen, if it was true then, it's true now because truth doesn't change. And if God was telling them that he was going to empower them then, he's going to empower you now. That God has promised us his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer. And if you will just trust that he's got it. Now see, we can say that all day long, but we got to live it. 
We've got to believe that He's truly got it. And so we need to be ascending church. We need to be a church that's equipping people to go out and do the work, to do the message, serve people the way that God wants them to be served. And so we should be sending prayers. We should be sending people. I think it would be awesome if this time next year, if we were commissioning many people who were going to go serve the Lord in various ways, that maybe we could even plant another church. How awesome would that be? You realize, right, that, that we can plant churches. You want to know how some of these churches get real big? They just start planting smaller ones. <laughs> they have different locations. That, that, listen, back in the day of Jesus, they didn't have a church like this. They had a house. And every house that was gathering was a church. Do you understand that? Where two or three are gathering in his name, he's there in the midst. That's a church. And so what we've got to understand is that we are the church. It's not this building. And so we can start even thinking about, wow, God, what do you want to do? Do you want to plant another church? God, how do you want to use me? You want to use me to lead other people in a Bible study? God, how do you want to use me as a disciple of yours to help other people grow closer to you? See, we're not interested in just getting bigger. We're interested in getting wider. God wants the message to spread wider. God wants us to reach more people for His kingdom. And so some people, you know, they might do mission trips. They might go to these places just to feel good, you know, get a pat on the back, get a stamp in their passport, whatever. But that's not the goal of missions. The goal of missions is for us to go and make disciples. And so let me ask you, are you making disciples? Are you, are you investing in people so that they might be able to make disciples themselves? We, talk, we heard about Rama Ministries, right? And the whole thing about Rama Ministries is investing in these local pastors so that they can go out and teach other people. And what was so awesome, and this is the thing, you know, COVID-19 was a bad, bad thing, but, but listen, there were some good things that came out of that. And one of the things that he shared in that video was that because the American pastors couldn't get there, and because they had invested 20-some years in in, in, in training the Indian pastors that when COVID-19 and the Americans couldn't come, well, you know who did it? The Indians. You know why? Because they were equipped. And you know what? They probably wouldn't have if COVID-19 hadn't happened. And so what we've got to understand is this, that sometimes when these things happen in our life, it's not that God is saying, no, it's, it's not over. It's just going to be different. And it's okay for things to be different. And sometimes we have to pivot. And sometimes we have to move. And sometimes we have to do things that we're not accustomed to doing. But that's okay. It's okay. And so what, what, did, what did Rima do? Rima didn't say, okay, well now you don't need us. We're not going to ever come back. No, they said, okay, great. It's good that the Indian pastors are doing that. And you know what? We're going we're to keep coming alongside of you. We're going to keep serving. We're going to keep coming back. And we've got to understand that our job as Americans is not to come in and be the saviors of the world. There's only one savior, and it's Jesus. And the American way isn't always the best way. And so God can use other people to teach us as Americans. So it's nice for us to do all these kind of things, right? But the question is, are we making disciples? That, that we can provide clean water, we can provide food, but if we're not making disciples, then are we accomplishing the mission? Listen, people need food. <laughs> this week we had, how many of you did the 30-hour famine with us? Raise your hands. Yep. Several of you, right? Did it. We're doing it from home. That's awesome. Great. And listen, one of the things that we found out, right, is that when you don't have food, it's hard to focus. Right? 
<laughs> that, that when you don't have food, all you want to do is sleep, right? You just want to go to sleep so you don't have to think about your stomach grumbling, right? You don't have to think about that nice, juicy, oh, hamburger that I'm missing, right? I'm going to have one today. And you know, the thing about it is this, is that, that sometimes, right, it, we can't share the gospel because other needs are not being met. That when, when people don't have food, they can't think about any spiritual food. That when people don't have water, they can't think about their spiritual thirst. And so what do you do? You tie these things together. That, that Jesus, when he was breaking bread, he said, Hey, I'm going to break this bread, I'm going to feed you, but let me tell you what this bread symbolizes. This bread symbolizes my body, which is going to be broken for you. Uh, that, that I am the bread of life, Jesus said. When he was sitting with the woman at the well, and he said, Hey, I know you're here to get water, but I'm going to tell you about, I'm going to tell you about the living water. You ever heard about the living water? And listen, when we go and dig these water wells for people, that's what we were doing. We were providing them clean drinking water, but we'd also say this, you know what? This water, this water, you're going to come back for this and be thirsty again. But with Jesus, he'll quench your thirst in a way that you never imagined. You see, it's great to set up all these kind of things and do these things for people, but if we don't tie it to their spiritual need, if we're not helping them grow in their relationship with God, then are we making disciples? You see, God wants us to make disciples. God wants us to do that. But how many times have people done this on mission trips? They're like, oh, I've gone, done that, got the T-shirt. Thanks. And there are some people that do that. Some people say, oh, no, you know, I checked that off my box now. I don't have to, I don't have to go again. It's not about going, going, and gone. It's about going and going and going and going and still going. You see, we need some energizer Christians. I don't need some dollar store Christians. Up in here, the battery dies after one day, right? We need some energizer Christians who are going to say, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, right? Amen? And that's what God is looking for. Can God get any help? You see, this isn't about an event, it's about a lifestyle. It's not about a trip, it's about a way of living. That God is saying this, we need to change the way that we live. We're not just tacking Jesus onto our lives. We're not just saying, oh, Jesus is part of my life. No, when we come to Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I don't have a life. Y'all seen that shirt, right? Or seen that phrase, get a life. The only way you're going to get a life is with Jesus. And some of us trying to get Jesus right and tack him onto the life that we want. So God is sending people and he's calling people to go. Hebrews 11, 8, right? You say, well, I don't know what God wants, neither did Abraham. Abraham didn't know. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And as he went, not knowing where he was going. See, this, this is the thing. Are you willing to open yourself up and say, God... I don't know what you want with me. I don't know where you're going to send me, but God, here I am, send me. God, I'm, I'm available. God, I'll go. In Acts chapter 13, you're going to see another instance here. It says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain people, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius and Cyrene, uh, uh, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted, uh, and the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them away. So God said, i got a couple people I want to go to a certain place. So separate them out. 
This morning, God might be calling a few of you and saying, hey, I've got a couple of you, a few of you that I want to separate out and I want to send you to a certain place. Are you going to be willing to do that? You see, who does God send? Well, God sends certain people that He's called. God sends certain people that He separates out. God also sends people who volunteer. Hmm. You say, oh. Right? Don't, don't forget what Isaiah said. Here am I, send me. That when Isaiah heard the Trinity talking, when Isaiah overheard their conversation, and God was saying this, who will go for us? Isaiah said, I got my hand up first. Pick me, Lord, pick me, send me, Lord. I want to go. It's going to be hard, Isaiah. I want to go. Isaiah, you're going, to be, you're going to be asked to do some things that nobody else is going to be. I, I want to go. Send me, Lord. Is there anything that you'd be unwilling to do? It's a hard question. Anything you'd be unwilling to do. So we accomplish God's mission by praying, by sending. Number three, going. Going. You see that verse. Isaiah 6, 8, and God said, who will go for us? Who will go for us? Who's willing to get out of their comfort zone? Who's willing to do something unusual? Who's willing to go and live in a place, in a culture, in a way that's completely foreign to you? Who's willing to do that? You see, God's plan is to use His people to accomplish His mission. And, and the fact of the matter is this. The need is great, and the labors are few. The fact of the matter is this, is that if we don't go, who will? Sometimes we always expect it's going to be somebody else, it's going to be somebody else. And listen, God doesn't make any mistake phone calls. I've been getting some texts lately, some crazy texts, right? People say, oh, I've had your number in my phone. I'm like, well, then you should know who it is. <laughs> they're, like, uh, and they're like, you know, who is this? I'm like, well, this is George. And they're asking me all these questions, and, you know, it's just a scam. I had a conversation with a scam person yesterday, you know. they asking me, did I get all this help and whatever. And I said, oh, you're going to help? You're going to help me with uh, our 30-hour famine? I was like, what's your address? You can send it, uh, you know, I I'd like to send you your tax receipt. And uh, they, they quit texting me. <laughs> you see, sometimes the, the fact of the matter is this. God's not going to make a mistake when he calls your number. He knows your number, he knows your name, and he knows what he's doing. And, 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 and what we've got to understand is this in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 18, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe on him? Okay, so it's talking about this people in 1040 windows, talking about your neighbors, talking about people that you work with. How in the world are they ever going to know that Jesus loves them unless they hear about him? It goes on and says, how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. This is an idea. The image here is that when somebody is bringing you good news, man, you're so excited to hear it. Many of you have been in a situation where you've been at the hospital and you've been anticipating and waiting and you're fearing the, the worst. 
And so when you hear that good news, man, not only is it a sigh of relief, you are rejoicing, you're excited. Thinking, wow, God's answered my prayers. I wonder if there's anybody in another country, I wonder if there's anybody across the street or across from your cubicle who'd ever be excited that you would share Jesus with them. I'm telling you, you might be surprised that there are people who literally are laying in bed at night, crying themselves asleep because they think nobody cares. Because they think nobody listens. And by you taking a moment to care, it helps them to realize there is a God who's heard their prayers. There is a God who's seen their tears. You see, God's people need to be goers and doers. We, we don't just go and do our own thing. We go and do God's work. And God is setting people up in different places. But the sad thing about it is this, is that I, there's a book out, I, I, can't, I think it's, the title is this, Jesus, Save Us From Your Followers. It, it's sad, and I hope this isn't the case for you, but when people see you coming, do they, do they go a-running? That, that, that I hope it would never be said of any of us that, that we are not people that everybody's excited to see. That passage in Romans says, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. That, that the, the, the point of the matter is this, is that people are excited to see you. Because you've actually got something good to say. You're not just contributing and having a poor attitude. You're not just contributing by being negative and gossiping and all these kind of things. You're actually bringing something to the table. And his name is Jesus. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to have anything to do with Christians. And it's a sad testimony for all of us. And so you can change. You can change that. You can start being that positive light and salt in the earth. We have to preach the truth for sure. We have to tell people about Jesus and how he died on the cross for their sins and how every one of us is separated from him. That is the truth and people need to know that. But people also need to know why he did it. He didn't do it because he's an angry and vengeful God. He did it because he's a loving God. And he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to have everlasting life. But Jesus has this warning for you. It ain't going to be easy. He said to his disciples in Luke chapter 10, right after that, Luke 9, where he says, you know, hey, the harvest is, is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know why the workers are few? Because it's going to be hard. He said, look, I'm sending you out among, as, as sheep among wolves. So you've got to be prepared. And all, all of Luke chapter 10 basically goes through and says this. You're going to be hated for my name's sake. You're going to be betrayed by your family members. You're going to be despised and rejected. And some of you are even going to lose your lives. Wow, Jesus. Uh, that's quite a recruitment job. Right? You're not going to get many people on your team like that, Jesus. Well, Jesus is just telling the truth. And he's saying this, your love for me has to outweigh every other love in your life. That yes, yeah, sometimes he's going to call you to hard things. And so he says this, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? One cent? But, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God 
than a whole flock of sparrows. You're valuable to God, and so you don't have to be afraid that if God's sending you somewhere, He's going to empower you to do the work. You say, well, what am I supposed to do? What, what kind of things am I supposed to do? He finishes up this passage and says, even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, even to one of the least of these, you'll be rewarded. Sometimes you go on mission trips and you do, you feel like, man, is what I'm doing, does it even matter? You give a cup of cold water in his name and it matters. Finally, number four, you can pray, you can send, you can go. Number four, you can fund. You might not be able to go, but you can help somebody else get there. You might not be able to go, but, but you can support those who've already gone. You can invest in those who've given up everything here and they can't make it without money. And we all know you need money to survive. And so what can we do? Well, obviously, we can give. Listen, I'm going to give you a statistic here that is probably going to blow your mind. We don't talk a lot about tithing and stuff here because uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of churches highlight and really focus on that. And it's not about the money, but we need money to, to get through. But this is one of the things I want you to understand about those churches that talk about tithing a lot. That if every Christian would just tithe, and if you don't know what tithe is, tithe is, is defined as 10% of your income. If every Christian, and believe me, we've got some rich Christians, that if every Christian would just tithe 10%, we would have $168 billion in excess every year. You know how much the average churchgoer gives? 2%. Not anywhere close to 10. You know how much of that 2% gets to foreign missions? Gets to those in need? Gets to those who are in poverty? Of that 2%, only 2% gets there. Only 2% of 2% is making it to places like the 1040 window. We can do better. As Christians, we can do better. And, and let it not be found on us that we would spend more at Christmas celebrating the birth of Jesus. We spend $178 billion just on Christmas Day. We spend more at Christmas than we do as a whole nation of Christians giving to the church. We give more to ourselves. Think about that. There's 77 million people who lack access to clean water. That's one in 10. Women and girls spend an estimated 200 million hours carrying water every day. The average woman in rural Africa walks six kilometers, about three seven miles every day, carrying 40 pounds of water. More than 800 children under five die every day from diarrhea caused by contaminated water. See, the fact of the matter is this, a lot of the preventable, uh, a lot of the diseases that people die from could be prevented if the church of Jesus Christ, if his people would just give. I got to close. So let me say this. It's not that we can't fund it. It's just that we won't. We, we, we give our money what little bit we want 
and we keep the rest for ourselves. And one of the things that we need to be reminded of is this, is that everything that we have is a gift from God. Your ability to work is a gift from God. Your ability to think is a gift from God. Your ability to go somewhere is a gift from God. And what we've got to understand is our lives are a gift from God. And all God is asking of us is to entrust back to Him what He's given to us. That we are to be good stewards of what He's blessed us with. And sometimes that may mean sacrificially giving. That may mean sacrificially going. That may mean sacrificially serving. Whatever it is, God wants us to do it in His name, even if it's giving a cup of cold water. You see, we can all do something. So we can pray, we can send, we can go, we can fund, and the question is this, me. God, do you want me? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to pray? How do you want me to send? How do you want me to go? How do you want me to fund all of these things? Let me close by this. Band, you guys come on up. There's the Joshua Project. Net. This is a great uh, resource for you to find. If you're looking for more information on missions, uh, this is where I got that, uh, that blue map picture. Another one is Operation World. You can download that app to your phone. This would be really important uh, if you're concerned about praying for missions and being more aware of what's going on around the world. Uh, another missions organization that we have just around the corner over here in Tyrone is called OM, Operation Mobilization. Uh, this is who I went with uh, smuggling Bibles into uh, Vietnam, uh, OM. And, uh, and, you know, they're not that far away. And you could go over there and get more information. You could find out other people that you could support. Uh, Brooklyn is actually working uh, with uh, OM. Brooklyn and John just moved over, uh, over there. Another one is World Vision. This is who we got a lot of our information about, th the 30-hour famine. Um, these are, are great organizations. Uh, if I can have some people grab these... Uh, handouts here while I show you these last few apps. There's uh, the Unreached of the Day. This is an app you can download on your phone and it will show you uh, an unreached people group from the 1040 window that you can pray for every day. Um, there's also the uh, Global Prayer, uh, global, um, prayer Re Outreach, uh, GCR, and that's another one that uh, gives you kind of a daily update and it gives you some prayer requests and things. And then Operation World has, has an app itself. And what you're getting now is a, is a paper that has the missionaries, some of the missionaries. We have uh, about 10 that we're sponsoring uh, internationally. And uh, we're giving this to you so that you can pray specifically for missionaries that our church supports. And I'm going to encourage you to take these home or put them in your Bible, uh, put it on your refrigerator so that you can constantly be in prayer for them. But as we close, I want to ask this question. How does God want you to be involved? Maybe there's someone here today that would say, you know, I feel like God's calling me into full-time ministry. And I need, to, I need to act on that. Maybe there's somebody here today that God has been saying, hey, we need to separate, right, so-and-so, because I, I want to use you in another foreign field. Maybe that's, maybe that's you today. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever been in another service, church service. I'm sure it happens where people have said, yeah, I feel called to the ministry. I feel like, you know, God wants me to be an evangelist or a pastor or God wants me to be a missionary. But I don't want to ignore 
after this kind of sermon to say that maybe God is trying to send some of you. That God is maybe calling some of you into His service. And so, no bowing heads, no closing eyes. I'm just wondering if there's anybody who's saying, Lord, I don't even know what you want from me, but Lord, here am I. Send me. We got one. Anybody else? Understand, you don't know what this is going to mean. Okay? All right? So let's pray over this. God, you've seen the hearts and hands. And maybe there were others who were feeling like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know yet, but God, I pray that whatever it is that you want to do in each life here, that we would come to the point where we're saying, yes, Lord, here am I, send me. No stipulations, no reservations, no complications. Lord, simply want to serve your kingdom, your purpose with my life. And if that's praying, then I'll pray. If it's going, I'll go. If it's sending, I'll send. If it's funding, I'll fund. Whatever it is, God, just use me. And so, Lord, that is our prayer today. That, God, you've given us these ways that we can accomplish the mission. That you've promised us your Holy Spirit who will empower us to go and to be your witnesses. Not just here in Fayetteville or in Riverdale or in Tyrone or in Peachtree City, but God, that we would expand out to Atlanta and then to South Carolina and North Carolina. And Lord, even people in Virginia need Jesus. But then around the world to places like Vijuwada, India, to places like San Salvador, El Salvador, to places like Montego Bay in Jamaica, to places like Vietnam and China and North Korea where the gospel cannot get in easily. But God, you have ways and your Holy Spirit can do anything and all things. And so God, we lift up your church around the world and we pray, God, that you would give them boldness. God, we pray that you would protect them. God, we pray that you would provide for them. God, we pray that you would Minister to their spirits, God, and embolden them. Give them creativity and wisdom on how to lead your people and how to help others find you. In Jesus' name, amen.